On today's episode of Locked On Sooners, we're going to continue talking about the athletics survey of more than 1,500 Big 12 fans. We're also going to talk about what Billy Bowman had to say in his media appearance today. And does the Big 12 have the most to prove of every conference in college football? We'll talk about all that and more on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome to today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Thank you for joining us Today's episode is brought to you by Stat Hero. Stat Hero brings you the best way to play daily fantasy sports. They're reshaping the way that you do that. Dozens of house based games to play daily. No sharks, no funky props, just your skill versus the lineups you choose. Sign up today at stathero.com slash locked on. And thank you for joining us. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. You can also read my work covering the Oklahoma Sooners over at the Sooners Wire. And joining me as he does every day is Josh Helmer. You can follow Josh on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can hear him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on 94.7 The Ref in Norman. Josh, how's it going, man? It's great. Hey, you sound like slowly but surely you're starting to find your way back on the mend a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. I, I ate a lot of cough drops today. And um, that helped. Um, and I wasn't yelling so much like at soccer games. And I mean, not like yelling, yelling, but like coaching from the sideline in the Oklahoma wins, as you know, you have to do, you kind of have to raise your voice quite a bit in order to get instructions out there. So yeah, the voice is getting back to normal. Hopefully it starts to improve a little bit more day by day, but I, I got to say, I'm kind of enjoying this deep baritone a little bit as well. I asked my daughter what she thought and she was not a fan. So <laughs> we gotta gotta get it back up into the high pitch. Uh, it's gonna be her birthday tomorrow, so shout out Ellie! Happy birthday! You turn it six. It's good times. Josh, let's get into it, man. Let's talk about first. Let's talk about what Billy Bowman had to say because uh, he met with the media today, and he was a an interesting player to follow last year. He actually started the season as a starter for the Oklahoma Sooners as a true freshman, which was kind of surprising given the fact that you know he was not. It wasn't really sure like. Was he going to be a wide receiver when he got to Norman, a defensive back? I think most people lean defensive back, but you never really know until they get there. And then he's a true freshman starter. And it was kind of an up-and-down season. But the thing that he had to say today that was really the most intriguing thing is that this year we'll be able to be more free returning kicks and stuff like that. We weren't really allowed to return kicks unless we needed it. Did that surprise you at all? No. I'm not surprised to hear that comment maybe in some ways surprised a little bit at the openness and honesty of the comment, but that was, that was true of Lincoln Riley coach football teams. They didn't really try to stress or attack their opponents in the special teams game. Unless as Billy Bowman said, it was predicated by simply a necessity within the game to do that. And I have spoke on this plenty of times in the past to, to me, that was one of the failures of the Lincoln Riley era, a little bit too much confidence at times in some high powered offenses. Hey, you've got great quarterbacks. You've had Baker Mayfield. You've had Kyler Murray. Jalen Hurts had a a great standalone season in Norman Spencer Rattler. uh, Really those final few games of his first year were tremendous. Caleb Williams. We know about the stardom and the potential that he flashed last season with Oklahoma, but 
you know, your star quarterbacks and your offenses at times can only do so much. Sometimes a defense just comes ready to play and you can win or lose a game. We saw it in Bedlam last year. It looked like initially it was going to be Oklahoma's mistake on special teams that was going to point the compass in Oklahoma's direction of a win of that Bedlam game, but it wound up being a couple of special teams mistakes of Oklahoma's own doing that wound up losing OU that Bedlam game. But you can win games with a big special teams punt return or a big kickoff return. And we just didn't see Oklahoma really have the mindset to try to do that a lot of times throughout the Lincoln Riley era. So surprised at the honesty of Billy Bowman, but no, I'm not surprised at the comment because we all saw that. That's what Oklahoma was doing. And it falls kind of right in with what Lincoln Riley was as a head coach, a very conservative guy. Like you, like you mentioned, so reliant on his offense was unwilling to take risks at times on the special teams in the fourth quarter against Georgia in the overtime against Georgia, where he has one of the best quarterbacks to ever play and he doesn't allow him to throw a pass. It's, it's a conservative nature that often bit him in the butt where he gave up big leads to Kansas state and Iowa state in that 2020 season. And and so anyway, we're not going to, we're not going to rehash all the Lincoln Riley stuff, but that is, it's, I think you're right. It's a, it's a failure of coaching to not try to take advantage of special teams and not try to add at all win that phase of the game. Now you had a great kicker in Gabe Burkett. You've had great kickers in the past before that allowed you to kind of make up for that in the special teams battle. But to, to just sit there and say, we're not going to return a punt. We're not going to return a kick unless we absolutely need it. What does that do for your team? Like they, the coaches don't have the confidence in us to return a kick when it's a neutral situation and now they're going to expect us to make a big play in a high leverage situation. That's that, that to me, that's backwards. Like you want your team feeling really comfortable with their return responsibilities, with their blocking responsibilities in situations where it's, you know, the first quarter and the, the score is zero, zero. Like that's the time to make sure these guys are getting live game reps because practice can only simulate so much until you actually do it in a game that's going to be when you actually see what you can do and what you're capable of. And then when you have to turn it on at the end of the game, because you need a big return, then you've already been doing it throughout the game, throughout several weeks in during that season. And you feel so much more comfortable returning a kick, returning a punt that it gives you a better opportunity to make a big play out of it. It also just listening to you talk right there. It tells me this for Oklahoma. How can I, if I'm an Oklahoma player, with a straight face, take you seriously when you tell me that special teams is the third and equally important part or phase of the football game if we're only going to hand select and cherry pick a couple of opportunities, if we're pressed into action to take special teams seriously. If I'm put out there on special teams, I'm not taking it as seriously because the coaching staff clearly doesn't emphasize it the way that they are offense and defense. And and I get where kind of they're coming from a little bit. Like so many things can go wrong on a return, a holding call, a fumble, a block in the back, you know, like a lot of different things can go wrong at the same time, like scared money don't make money. Like you don't get the big punt return for a touchdown, kickoff return for a touchdown, unless you actually attempt to do it, which other teams were more than happy to try and return kicks against you and did so a lot of times with great success. When you're attacking college kids, that's the one phase where you might be able to get another bit of a boost because, like, are college kids going to stay disciplined in their 
in their um, kickoff coverage responsibilities, their punt responsibilities, or are they going to over pursue just with a little bit of excitement? I mean, that's why you probe them a little bit to make sure that they're going to stay disciplined and you never know when you're going to be able to break one. And it just takes the pressure off of everybody else. If you're getting, get a special teams touchdown or a big special teams play, it just lifts everybody else. It just provides you with so much more momentum. And then you're just deciding as a coaching staff, nah, we're good. We don't need that. When in reality, a nice special teams play against Baylor, or Oklahoma state, they went in your favor. If you were more comfortable returning punts against Oklahoma state, maybe Eric Gray doesn't muff that kick. If you're more comfortable, you know, if you return kicks, maybe when you get a stop against Baylor, maybe you can flip the field and get yourself in better position to score. Or if you don't put Eric Gray in that position, right? It's, you know, you don't take it very seriously. You don't do it a bunch. And then kind of randomly you're like, well, let's put Eric Gray back there. So just discombobulated at times in that regard, as it pertains to special teams and really Oklahoma, I'm not saying put Marvin Mims back there necessarily. Right. Or, you know, projecting forward into this season, if Jaleel Farouk, emerges as your number three wide receiver in addition to Marvin Mims and Theo Weiss. I'm not necessarily saying put Jaleel Farouk back there. At a place like Oklahoma, though, you pride yourself on the fact that you have enough skilled position talent to where, okay, if you're not wanting to risk injury to a Marvin Mims, to a Theo Weiss, to a Jaleel Farouk, then, okay, well, what about Nick Anderson, who you just signed? What about a Jaden Gibson? who you just signed, these electric playmakers, or, you know, take your pick. It, it could be one of the running backs that Oklahoma just signed. You should have somebody that you trust that consistently is returning punts for you, and you should try to attack in the punt return game. So hopefully we saw a glimpse of that with what Billy Bowman said right there, and maybe Billy Bowman's that guy. Maybe, uh, you know, I'm mentioning all these offensive skill position guys. Maybe it's somebody that is doubling up as a defensive back and then – can be a, a punt return specialist, which, oh, by the way, there's a name, Antonio Perkins, that would come to mind for a lot of Oklahoma fans. That's the guy I was just thinking about. And I think it makes a lot of sense because Billy Bowman was a wide receiver at Denton Ryan. He played both ways. And this just gives him an opportunity to have the ball in his hands a little bit. You know, like they're planning on playing him at safety. That was one thing that came out of Brent Venable's uh, conversation this, this uh, or Tuesday, Monday afternoon uh, with the media is that, Billy Bowman will be a safety. He's not going to move around. They're planning on letting him learn a position. So he's playing safety, getting an opportunity to return some kicks. I think that that'll benefit him. I think he's a guy that needs a bounce back season and just needs to get a little bit more confidence because he was really thrown into the fire last year and he's still got a ton of talent. A ton of talent, no doubt. And we had kind of heard the rumblings that what if Oklahoma and Jeff Levy say, They want to bring him over to the offensive side of the football. Sounds like they're now pretty firm in the idea that he's going to stick there at safety. And, you know, if that's the case, that's great. I think he can be a spectacular defensive back for Oklahoma, a star type defensive back for Oklahoma. So if he's playing safety, then, you know, you don't have to keep moving him around to nickel and try him out at corner. Have him stay right there at safety and let him lock in and dial into that. Yeah, and I love the idea of getting your young guys at least used to one position their first couple of years, and then when they get into their you know their sophomore season, junior season, then you can start experimenting a little bit with where they're at and and because they have a better knowledge base of what you're wanting to do in their scheme. I love the idea of just getting guys in position because 
Uh, position flexibility is something that coaches throw out a lot. They love position flexibility and it's great. It's great to have players that can, you know, double up at positions and play multiple positions for you. But unless they're really, really good at one, you don't want to be moving them around because you need them to be at least really good at one and then be able to say like, okay, yes, they got that mastered. Now let's go try them at this. You don't want to have them just, you know, the, the, the saying in, in the Bible is you, you can't serve two masters. You'll either love the one and hate the other. Like kind of the same thing goes with position flexibility. Like if you're a cornerback and a defense, a safety, you're going to be really, really good at one and maybe not as good at the other one. You might be great at both. You might just be a special player that's great at both, but you need to really have one at least mastered before you're moving around a bunch. So I like the idea of kind of eliminating the position flexibility aspect from the younger guys, letting them learn, letting them get their feet wet, get comfortable at one position before you start moving around. We're going to continue to talk about everything that's going on at spring practice because there's always great nuggets coming out about that. We're going to continue to touch on the athletic survey of Big 12 fans coming up next after I talk to you about Stat Hero. Stat Hero is giving you all the opportunity to play daily fantasy sports in a way that you might not have ever played before. They set the lineups. They give you an opportunity to see the lineups, and you can pick players to go up against them as well. Their players are winning up to four times as much as other daily fantasy sites because Stat Hero eliminates the mystery about who or what you're going up against. In addition to their pick'em games, they also have dozens of lineups you can comb through to take on head-to-head. They simply post sets of players for you to take on with a set of players that you choose. And Stat Hero is the easiest and fastest way to get your sports action fixed. The simple, sleek gameplay will have you playing in minutes, and this is what daily fantasy was meant to be. So sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. That's stathero.com slash locked on. Use promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. Terms and conditions apply. And thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Also, go check out the Locked On Thunder podcast for your second listen of the day. Are you a St. Louis Cardinals fans? Check out the Locked On Cardinals podcast as well. A lot of interesting things going on there. Albert Pujols is coming back. I saw that. Yeah, that's uh, for longtime Cardinals fans. Would not consider myself in that group of fans. I'm a Kansas City Royal true uh, true through and blue, but uh, that's big news, right? If you're a Redbirds fan, I mean, that's kind of the return to home, a lot of great feelings there. So that's cool. That's, you know, yeah. definitely, you know, Royals guy, but for all of our Cardinals listeners out there, that's a great story. Yeah. And I'm sure some, some good things happening with the Royals right now. Well, you know, it's, no, it's so uh, much. always optimism for the future, John. There's always another prospect uh, around the corner. Zach Greinke's coming home in, in terms of homecoming stories. So there you go. You got that. That's a lot of fun. The Texas Rangers spent a ton of money this year, and uh, we almost didn't get to see them play that on, on the field. So it'll be interesting to see. So, hey, a lot of great baseball podcasts here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. So make sure you go check out your team that is being covered every single day here on Lockdown Podcast Network. Let's dig back into the athletic survey. So a lot of great questions. Josh, I'm going to throw them at you. Okay. First of all, what is the right size for the college football playoff? They listed every possible option. What is it in your mind? What what do you think is the best size for the college football playoff? Me personally or what I think Big 12 fans voted? So give me what you think personally and then what they voted. I think four is the perfect size for the college football playoff. I like where it's at right now. You could entertain me 
with the idea of six just to kind of get those non-Power 5 leagues involved. But in terms of drama, in terms of exclusivity with the college football playoff, I think we've got the perfect number right now. I'm not opposed to expansion. Obviously, I certainly think we're going to arrive at expansion maybe not sooner rather than later anymore. It sounds like it's, it's going to have to wait until this current college football playoff contract expires. But, you know, to, to me, once you start getting beyond, say, 12 teams, then I don't know. I'm not crazy about that. And quite frankly, again, I think it's fine just right now at four. Well, we're going to have to debate that one day on a show because I disagree. But uh, the, the those surveyed, 44.4% of them said 12 teams was the right size. Only 3% said four teams, Josh. So you are in the small minority on that front, which, you know, it, it's about to happen. I argue with my guy, Mauricio Rodriguez, um, over on Twitter as well. He's he's very much in your corner. He loves the exclusive, the exclusivity of it. He wants every game to matter. And I just think college – like more playoffs is better. Like more games that mean more to me is more fun. But we'll talk about that on another show because I think we could have, we could have a whole show on that. Man, um, that 4%, how, that's a smart 4% right there. That's the top of the population <laughs> intelligence-wise right there. Yeah. Okay. So then what did you think – what do you think the 1,500-plus voters said about NIL? How do you feel about players monetizing their name, image, and likeness – the uh, the options were all for it, uncomfortable with it, but okay with it happening, uncomfortable with it, but not okay with it happening, unsure against it happening. All for it. Yeah, that was the leader with 51%. And I was actually a little bit surprised by this because, I mean, the I would say the casual college football fan is generally against it, but maybe the casual reader is not on the athletic. Maybe it's you're more the person that's reading more in depth. Um, they're trying to get as much information as they can. So maybe they're a little bit more into it. Um, the one that, so yeah, I was a little bit surprised by that myself, but um, yeah, more than 85% of the voters were at least okay with it happening, um, whether they were uncomfortable. And, and I kind of fall into that, like I'm uncomfortable with it because I just don't think there's enough like guardrails in place to, keep it legitimate does that make sense like i'm not I, i'm not against the players getting paid but also feel like there needs to be some like um guidelines in place on how it works yeah the ncaa has very clearly here said hands off laissez-faire you guys uh have fun dealing with this as universities so i'm with you i, I think that at some point hopefully we will get a little bit more in terms of the the guard guardrails here for nil and I'd like to see set dates when you can, you know, transfer in and out of uh, schools. I know that's sort of its own separate topic, but under the same umbrella of some changes that could happen to college football. I, I wonder, too, with that percentage in regards to name, image, and likeness, how many of those 51% were honest votes? Because a lot of the radio calls that you get and feedback that you get on a lot of different platforms aren't altogether super positive about name, image, and likeness. And ultimately, it is supposed to be positive for the players who pour so much into this. And, you know, in my estimation, they do deserve to profit if they can off their name, image, and likeness. I think this has been a positive change for college football. I'm with you. I'd like to see there be something in the form of guardrails. I 
you know, I, I don't know how much the NCAA really wants to get involved in that. It seems like they, they really don't want to be involved in that. I think because of potential lawsuits, right? You start, you know, potentially keeping somebody from making a certain set of cash and all of a sudden you've got maybe an antitrust lawsuit filed your way back. So I think the NCAA has been very cautious because of that, but uh, some form of some form of guardrails to defend against just the enticement, the clear enticement that we're seeing schools, you know, throw out there to get recruits to commit and sign. Yeah, there, there's got to be something that's just added to it. But I, 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 that's a great point that you made about the prevention of players being able to earn income potentially leading to a lawsuit. Like that's something that the NCAA does have to be cognizant of because like, they are a finite body. They only have so much money, although you know that money continues to grow all the time. Uh, so that, that is an interesting point. And I think the, the hands-off approach allows them to kind of play Pontius Pilate a little bit. Um, somewhat to the detriment of the sport to a degree, to a small degree, because I think the majority of college football programs aren't involved in the kind of the shadier aspects of this um, because one, they just don't have the funds to do it. So they're having to rely on actual name, image, and likeness deals to make things happen for their players once they're on campus. And yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how it continues to play out because I think we're not in the the sweet spot yet of NIL. We're kind of in the infancy, and so there's still a lot of evolution that has to happen. And we're going to continue to talk about the athletic survey, uh, but let me talk to you about Bet Online. After months of playing, college basketball has determined the top teams for the Final Four and will determine this year's national championship this coming week. Bet Online is your number one source for all the betting needs and sports info that you need from all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it. Bet Online remains the best spot for all your latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information needs, including live betting on your and your favorite Vegas casino games. They also have future props and future odds up there for the NFL and NCAA. You can get your Heisman pick in, your MVP picks in. If you got a Super Bowl favorite, go check it out at Bet Online. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline.net is where the game starts. John, right, BetOnline yeah. is the place where obviously you need to go. Do not consider this financial advice, ladies and gentlemen, but do go ahead and take Duke in Kansas in your brackets to match up in the national championship game. And if you want to be really smart, pick uh, Paulo Boncaro and Duke to cut down the Nets in Coach K's final season. If you're in the business, you know, again, not financial advice, but if you're in the business of potentially winning some money, Duke over Kansas. Okay, there you go. That's I have. I think I had Kansas winning it all. So, but my, my I mean, my bracket's terrible. So don't don't listen to me on college basketball. When we get to college football, we'll talk more about odds and lines and all that stuff, and we'll get you covered on that front on BetOnline.net. All right, eight months later, how do you feel about OU and UT to the SEC, Josh? I imagine – so was this open-ended, just respond however you mm-hmm. want, or were there choices? Open-ended. Well, I would imagine from Oklahoma and Texas fans, I think they feel better about it than ever before. I think that they're just as thrilled today as they were when the news first broke. And for everybody else, I think they're just esteemed as they were when the news first broke. Maybe there is a little bit of a sentiment from some of – 
hey, so long, good riddance. We're going to be just fine. We're bringing in BYU. We're bringing in Houston. We're bringing in Cincinnati, and we're bringing in Central Florida. The Big 12 will live on, and it'll be just fine. But in terms of the any love lost between the remaining Big 12 members in Oklahoma and Texas, there's none there, I can't imagine. Yeah, no, and most, most people are out there saying, like, once they go, they're going to become, like, Mississippi State, Texas A&M, kind of middle, middle of the pack teams. And my argument against that is everybody's chasing the top of the SEC anyway, whether you're in the Big 12, the Pac-12, the Big 10, the ACC, you're all chasing Alabama. Every year it's Alabama. And then every so often you get a Georgia or an LSU or a Florida that sneaks into the top of the SEC as well. And that's who you're chasing. Like whether you're in the conference, in the SEC or not, or you're in another conference, you're still chasing the top of the SEC. It's just a matter of now being in the SEC gives you a greater opportunity to get higher profile recruits. You look at the top 32 uh, recruiting classes by 247 Sports, and all of the SEC teams are in the top 32. All of them, including Vanderbilt, the worst team in the SEC, has a better recruiting class than all but like three Big 12 teams according to 247 sports so that makes a difference and that could help that could potentially set you up to be in consideration for college football playoff berth and potentially a national championship if you can just get that bump like if you're oklahoma and you're already getting the eight to ten or top eight to ten recruiting class in the country and you go to the sec you're going to get a bump you just are that's just the way it works in the SEC. You're going to get better players because players want to play against better competition to potentially improve their tape so that they can get drafted into the NFL. It's just the domino effect there. So I still feel fine about it. Yeah, the, a lot of people are still going to be salty about it or they're going, to, they're going to be rooting for the failure of OU and UT when they get there, but it's just it, – it is what it is. Um, all right, how do you feel about the incoming teams, the BYU, the UCF, the Houston, the Cincinnati? Well, I think – the remaining fan bases here have to be more optimistic than ever. You just saw Houston fresh off a final four appearance charge past Arizona back into the elite eight again. So Houston has shown that it's competent both in football and it's been great here under Kelvin Sampson in basketball. We saw of course, what Cincinnati did under Luke fickle this past season with Desmond Ritter and company in football. They, uh, were the first to get into the college football playoff as a non-Power 5 team. So those group of five schools, Cincinnati was the first in that regard. There's got to be optimism that Cincinnati coming into the Big 12, having that sort of pedigree where they did get into the college football playoff, look what we can do now joining the Big 12 conference. So there should be a ton of excitement there. Central Florida, again, kind of of that same same ilk as Cincinnati, right? Before Cincinnati this past season, Central Florida was the team that if you were trying to pick a non-Power 5 team to get into the college football playoff, that would have been the team you're picking to crash the party. So a lot of excitement about those incoming teams. And BYU, it's not Notre Dame, but in terms of kind of the independent schools, it is a little bit of a national brand. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's a if they were going to select for – I wish they was honestly they would have done this five six years ago that they would have brought these four teams in. Cincinnati might have not have been the power that it is now, but it's a former Big East team, a team that wasn't a power conference just a decade or more ago, along with 
you, uh, I think UCF was in that conference. I can't even remember, but you know, and then, and then Houston at one point in time was a, a former Southwest conference member. And then BYU, like you talked about a national, an international brand, really, they've got fan base that's spread across the world. And so I, I really wish they had done this years ago. It might've kind of prevented conference realignment. It might not have, OU and Texas might've still gone to the sec, but it's going to make for some really, really intriguing uh, football in 2023 when it looks like we're going to have some overlap between the incoming teams and the outgoing teams. And so I want to ask you real quick, when the overlap happens, do you want to see OU and Texas in the same division for potentially that one season or maybe the two seasons that they're all together, or do you want to see them in separate divisions? Probably in – Man, I mean, I think geographically it would make the most sense if they're in the same division, but probably for the Big 12, it makes the most sense for them to not be in the same division just to potentially set up that Oklahoma-Texas Big 12 championship game possibility. So I I think for me, I'll say same division, though. It just makes the most sense with all of the, the traveling arrangements, really not even just for football, just for kind of every sport. We, we kind of look at this and we only think about football, right? But there's going to be other sports involved in this. And I think if you keep those two in the same division, it makes the most sense. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, even just to, to keep the Red River Showdown scheduling simple and not have to make that an intra-divisional matchup, um, the Big 12 can figure out scheduling after the fact, after they all leave. Um, they're going to want to make sure they can get as much OU Texas involved in, and that might lead them to put them in different divisions. So they could potentially get two matchups in that one season and really bank in on that. Um, and then just a couple quick hits. Let's do this. Does it make it a better conference bringing in the four that we mentioned before? Not minus OU and Texas. It doesn't with those teams plus Oklahoma and Texas. I think it had the possibility to be a really, really good league. And if I can actually circle back to some of the comments that you made about how you wish this would have happened a long time ago, I've sort of been the leader of the marching band that I never thought TCU should have gotten into the Big 12 conference. Mm. I always thought that if you were bringing West Virginia, it would have made so much more sense to bring both Cincinnati and Louisville as traveling partners with West Virginia. And if the Big 12 had been forward-thinking – which that's kind of been the, the problem with the Big 12 Conference for Oklahoma and Texas. And now you're seeing that reflected in some of these potential future TV contracts, contracts, i.e. why Oklahoma and Texas want out to go get some of that SEC money. Imagine if we could hop into the time machine and you do, instead of bringing TCU, you decide to bring West Virginia, Cincinnati, Louisville, and UCF all into the Big 12 Conference at once. What would Central Florida be like today they already had all this success away from the big 12 conference i mean you're talking about in terms of driving tv revenue if central florida was anywhere close to what it's been away from the big 12 conference over the past decade with big 12 money building up its facilities and having the type of access to florida recruiting obviously that they do in orlando i mean it could be a totally different world that we're talking about here Mm -hmm. with oklahoma and texas never having really wanted to explore the option of joining the SEC. But again, the Big 12 Conference, the leadership that was in place, they were not forward-thinking in that regard. They took the easy route. They added TCU. 
with West Virginia. So I thought all along that was a big mistake that the Big 12 made. Yeah, I completely agree. I thought they should have expanded back to 12 originally, and I think Cincinnati was the team that made a ton of sense, just a, a natural rival between Cincinnati, West Virginia from the Big East days would have made a ton, a ton of sense. All right, last question on this athletic survey, and shout out to Max Olson for the content. Uh, which Big 12 team in the future Big 12 wins the most conference titles in the next decade? Well, right now I'm going with Mr. Underrated, Dave Aranda. I, right. I got to take Mr. Underrated, Dave Aranda in the Baylor Bears. Call it recency bias, but I love what he's building down there at Baylor. They're tough. They're hard-nosed. They play great defense. Uh, in terms of offensive skill talent, that should continue to improve for Baylor moving forward. I would think that if he can just continue to get serviceable quarterback play to above serviceable quarterback play, man, I think in this conference, what it looks like moving forward, I think they've got a chance to clean up. The other team that I would keep an eye on is Central Florida. I just think their ability to jump into this type of conference and stake their claim to being in a power five league while having the access to uh, in-state Florida recruiting really potentially sets them up for great success. But if I only get one, I'm picking Baylor right now. I think those are both great options. I think for Baylor, for UCF, for Cincinnati, bringing those teams in, strengthening the conference, gives them an opportunity to hold on to those coaches for much longer than might be anticipated. You know, I think a lot of people expected Dave Aranda to jump at another job or at least be in the running for the LSU job to go back to where he'd gone to Baylor from. Uh, you know, Luke Fickle has been discussed at the pro level, the college level for most major jobs, Cincinnati getting into the big 12, maybe he sticks around there a little bit longer. And then Gus Malzahn at UCF, potentially he stays where he's at with now being in a power five conference. So Josh, great stuff. Great content It's great to be able to discuss some of these things because it gives us a good indication of what the big 12 fan base is thinking as spring ball is underway and we're headed toward the 2022 season. Can't wait. Love it. Spring ball is so fun. Gives us an opportunity to break some storylines down. Think about OU football, position battles in place, all that good stuff. Hear from Brent Venables, hear from the coaching staff, hear from the players. And yes, I join you. A salute to uh, Max Olson. We appreciate you, our content yes. lord, for at least this week. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Please do more surveys because that was a lot of fun to, to talk through. So make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. We're free and available on every podcast platform. You can also subscribe on YouTube. Make sure you drop us a comment, drop us a line, give us a question. Let us know what you'd like to hear us talk about on the show in the coming weeks, and we'll touch on that as well. For Josh Helmer, I'm John Williams. We'll catch you next time. Boomer Sooner.